Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. Spring has sprung. Baseball season is right around the corner. I'm in a fantastic mood, but that is in no small part due to the fact that we are eight days away from the showcase of the Immortals, the biggest event in live entertainment, WrestleMania weekend. It snuck up on us, KP. It's almost here. What's on your mind? And man, it really does feel like WrestleMania is about to go Hollywood, doesn't it? All the build-up, all the storylines. We saw Miz and his musical performance on Monday night, which was absolutely brilliant, by the way, Thank alongside you. Maurice. I- I'm going to cut you off at, at, so that you don't gloss over that. Let's give the Miz some damn credit. That WrestleMania musical that aired Monday night on Raw was far and away in my opinion, the most entertaining of the vignettes we've had so far. I love the Rhea Ripley doing the 11 thing, uh, you know, the Top Gun, you, you got the Joker and, and the man, tons of great moments, but The Miz and his musical really stole the show. Like I actually watched it on social media after Raw and again the next day and I just laughed. I've sent it to people. It's very, very entertaining. So hats off, Miz. He's already earning his paycheck as the host of WrestleMania. Yeah, you used the word versatile last week when we were talking about Otis. When you talk about The Miz, I mean, pick someone who could be a WWE superstar, a two-time Grand Slam champion in WWE and say, you know what, why don't you go and host WrestleMania two nights, what are we talking, 90,000 fans at SoFi Stadium, and yet there's not a doubt in my mind that he's going to nail it. I have no idea what they actually have planned for the event itself where Miz will be the official host, but... It made me hope for a little bit more of this. I'm, I'm a sucker for old school Hollywood, not modern day, not necessarily 2023 Los Angeles and everything Hollywood that comes with it. I like the old school, the days of yore with the, the larger than life characters, which Miz fits the bill perfectly. The, the way he and Maurice were dressed, it looked like they could have been in the 1950s or 60s or any generation of old school Hollywood. That era always fascinates me. And I, I really, truly hope that's what Miz brings forward. Speaking of old school, by the way, Andy Kaufman, the third inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame for 2023, uh, sadly passed away, you know, I I believe before you and I were even born, but had a tremendous run alongside Jerry Lawler. There was the famous moment on the David Letterman show as well. And I think most people would agree it's fitting Andy Kaufman headed to the Hall of Fame here as we head to Hollywood. It is fitting. And Andy Kaufman's a guy whose legacy will live on long beyond any of all of us. But I think he's a guy who didn't get his flowers Uh, at risk of using a phrase that's gotten way too overused lately. Give them their flowers. But Andy Kaufman, I don't think, was truly appreciated until way too late. I mean, I, I didn't realize what a genius he was until even after Jim Carrey made the man on the moon movie. And and there were some documentaries. I think Netflix was the one that did the documentary about him, the in-depth where I get to learn about Tony Clifton and what a, what a mad genius Andy Kaufman truly was. Uh, So better late than never, but I think it's going to be really cool. It's going to be a cool moment at the WWE hall of fame ceremony. No doubt about it. Yeah, it was one thing we talked about on Monday. And what was, for me, Gravy, I don't know if you'll agree with me on this one. It felt like a little bit of a landscape-shifting night on Monday, right? All things considered, you think about Rhea Ripley, who looks so unbelievably dominant right now. And she goes and takes care of Bailey, who's a Grand Slam champion in WWE, one of the four horsewomen, one of the greatest to ever do it in the women's locker room. And Rhea does that ahead of WrestleMania against Charlotte Flair. Then you think about Seth Rollins, We've talked about Seth, uh, you know, at nauseum. We've waxed lyrical about Seth for, for all the right reasons about how he is at the top of the game right now. Yet he was flattened once more 
by the steel hand of Logan Paul. The tag team picture right now, Corey, there feels like there's a shift here. The, the longest reigning tag team in WWE history were on the outside looking in at KO and Sami Zayn who were united once more. And then to top it all off, talking about dropping the mic, it was Roman Reigns who had to drop the mic and leave the ring. And he looked absolutely furious at the end of Monday Night Raw because he was outdone by Cody Rhodes just a few days before WrestleMania. Do you agree with me that as we approach the showcase of the Immortals, this felt like a landscape shifting moment? I would say I do agree with you to an extent. And I would say that you've maybe taken it just a hair too far. I don't think the landscape has shifted yet, but there were definitely some megastars knocking on the door. I agree with you completely about Rhea Ripley. She made a strong statement against the top tier talent in Bailey. Uh, Seth Rollins and Logan Paul, I, I, we don't have a ton of time to get into this today, but Logan Paul in a matter of weeks yet again has proven that he belongs. My takeaway from Monday's segment was when it comes down to in the ring, Seth Rollins is still untouchable. When Seth double-legged Logan was all over him, there was separation created and Logan still has that secret weapon, that one lucky punch. Never mind the fact that his fist may or may not be titanium enforced, uh, enhanced, uh, surgically repaired, whatever that may be. He left Rollins laying again. The world is going to be talking, I think, about both of those guys in the wake of WrestleMania. Who will they be talking about as the winner? That remains to be seen. I'm excited for it. But you mentioned Cody and Roman. This is the marquee match. Yes, WrestleMania weekend is two nights. But historically speaking, there's always been one true, in its classic sense, main event. Right? Last year, it was the biggest WrestleMania match of all time. It was Brock Lesnar. It was Roman Reigns. We knew it was going to be the last thing everybody saw. It was going to be what everybody talked about. It could have the longest lasting effect. The last segment we saw on Monday Night Raw was Cody verbally sparring with the tribal chief. And man, if you were watching that and you didn't have goosebumps on two or three different occasions, you don't love this business. Seriously. And that, that was all encompassing. What stands out to me, though, when you weigh this matchup against WrestleMania main events in the past is it's truly too hard to call. And I'm not saying this from a, a perspective of a guy who is paid to hype. That's what we do. We talk about it on here all the time. How do we sell this? How do we hype this? How do we, as broadcasters, as announcers, get the WWE fans more excited than the talent already has? We don't need to worry about that with Cody and Roman. But in the past, there's always been a, not necessarily a sentimental favorite but the main events of WrestleMania have never really been that incredibly hard to pick. When you step back and you look at the landscape, you realize, okay, so-and-so has been the top guy for so long. They've had their run, or maybe they're losing a little bit of steam. Maybe a little bit of the shine is off the diamond. Not always. There have been exceptions, which I know that the social media world loves to live for the exceptions so they can say, at WWE Graves, you're wrong. What about this time? <laughs> if you're upset, I'm not talking about that time. Okay. I like the subtle Twitter plug, by the way. Yeah, that's right. I see I'm, I'm a pro, KP. <laughs> this year, as we approach WrestleMania, on the road to WrestleMania, both main event competitors seem to still be on an upward trajectory in their careers. Yes, Cody Rhodes has talked about his return, and, and Cody's been the sentimental favorite. Nobody's going to be upset if Cody Rhodes wins at WrestleMania, save for the bloodline. Right? I mean, I, I don't think anybody is really going to be truly heartbroken from a fan's perspective. Cody's put in the work. Cody's story has been told. Cody is in the right place at the right time and appears to be the right guy. 
But versus years past where you've got this up and coming challenger, this guy who's got to overcome the odds to make it to the mountaintop, you've also got the tribal chief, Roman Reigns, who in no way, shape, or form has lost any of his luster. Roman, I would argue, has continued to ramp up his production. Roman Reigns is still a television ratings draw. Roman Reigns is a live event tickets draw. Roman Reigns is what he says he is when he says he is box office. That is an indisputable fact. You can look at the numbers. When Roman's on TV, the numbers are higher. When Roman's in your town, there are more tickets sold. When Roman's on the Today Show, people tune in. No matter what Reigns does, he is thriving as the face of sports entertainment. And I say that specifically bigger than WWE because we are the industry standard. We are the industry leader. Everything that comes along is in the wake of what Roman Reigns is doing right now. We have two stars. One is already the megastar, Roman Reigns, right? Established, the tribal chief, the head of the table. Every word he speaks, every prediction slash spoiler that the wise man Paul Heyman puts out into the ether comes true. Roman is doing what he does best, and there's nobody that can touch him right now, aside from maybe Cody Rhodes. This is such a a fun period of time in WWE history. You've got a history-making championship reign in Roman, who, again, if Roman beats Cody, there's going to be a lot of broken hearts. There's going to be a lot of hurt feelings. There might be a few tears shed from the fans, but when you step back, and you look at the overall landscape of WWE, thus the sports entertainment industry, we've got a top dog. We have got a bona fide top dog. You and I discussed it a few weeks back. We are in the midst of a great era, a definable era in WWE. And right now it's the Roman Reigns era. We've got John Cena, who is going to be a part of WrestleMania, who, like it or not, is playing second fiddle to Roman Reigns. Roman has finally eclipsed. Roman has gotten to that point where he is the guy. John Cena, just as big of a star, bigger star in the in the public zeitgeist. I mean, John's a Hollywood star now too, and, and you respect what John's done, but this is Roman Reigns' WrestleMania, where John Cena is a participant. Think about what you just said. At this moment in time, Roman Reigns has eclipsed John Cena. That's huge. Within the parameters of WWE. Yes. I need to give it context. I completely agree with you. It feels that way. Listen, Gravy, you and I, I don't know about you, I'm not a betting guy, right? If I was, who's favorite between Cody and Roman right now? I I don't know. I mean, that's what inspired this thought. But where I sit as a fan, where you and I sit as broadcasters, it's refreshing and it's exciting to not have a predictable WrestleMania main event. And when I say unpredictable, I mean, yeah, the sentimental, oh, well, yeah, Cody's going to be the guy. The story's great with all the emotion and the backdrop of Dusty and what Dusty meant to Roman and Cody. The story is so rich, man. I mean, we'd start every single week here on ATB talking about what the bloodline did this week. And Cody is holding his own. And man, Monday night, if you didn't believe in Cody, he gave you a a few reasons to have other thoughts because he was spitting venom. He was spitting truth. He was fired up. You can feel the intensity. And Roman Reigns walked away, just walked away. There was a little little interaction with Solo. It remains to be seen where that, how that plays out. I mean, it will be Friday when the world is hearing this. So by then, who knows what what will or will not have been announced. It looks like uh, Cody may have another massive speed bump in his way on the road to WrestleMania. But, but as a whole, man, this is an exciting time for me. And it should be an exciting time for all of our fans because no matter who wins at WrestleMania, 
WWE is not going to be any worse off. The fans are not going to be any worse off. If anything, it's going to be a fresh coat of paint on, on a already functional high caliber vehicle. This isn't like, oh, let's, let's drum up the past. Let's repackage it. Let's present it as new. This is new, man. WWE right now, we, we are the sports car. We're, we're the custom-built Lamborghini. We're cruising down the highway. Oh, you know what? We like, we like the yellow one, but what would it look like in red? Oh, okay, guess what? Now we're on the same ride. Everything's going in the same direction. Everything's still as healthy and productive as it was. We just don't know exactly what the aesthetic's going to look like in the wake of WrestleMania. You know, Grave, you said something fascinating. You said that if Cody Rhodes wins and beats Roman Reigns, nobody's going to be upset about it. And that's where I want to dive in a little bit deeper here because Cody tried to predict the future with Roman Reigns at the end. And he said, here's what's going to happen. On April 3rd, you're going to wake up and you're going to have to get used to losing. And then Jay is going to leave you. And then Jimmy's going to leave you. And he looked at Solo and basically said, Solo's going to leave you. And then the wise man will, will leave you. And, and, and you and I are looking at each other in this moment as Roman starts to look right and look left. And the facial expressions of Roman Reigns just scream doubt. And, and a little bit of fear. And if that happens, I go back to your point about nobody's upset about it. Everybody's loved the bloodline. What if the bloodline is totally and utterly derailed by a Cody Rhodes victory that then spirals, that Jey Uso then? We've seen the doubts in the eyes of Jay in recent weeks. Is this the beginning of something truly epic and the downfall of Roman's reign? I can't with any degree of confidence say that you're wrong, but that's what is so magical about what's happening right now. Because let's say Cody does win and Cody's the guy and Cody's the face and Cody's been very open and honest, including here on After the Bell, about how he desires to put in the work. He wants to be the one doing all of the media work, staying after, making all of the live events. Cody wants to be the fighting champion. I read something the other day, uh, an interview that he did, and forgive me because I didn't, I don't know where to accredit it to, but Cody had made uh, reference to uh, a Bret Hart sort of championship reign where Bret Hart was the guy, no matter what town you were in, if you were in Kalamazoo or, or you were in Des Moines, Iowa, or you were in a, you know, insert town here, the champion was coming to town. Roman Reigns is a little big for that right now. Let's be honest. Roman does not care about what goes on in Paducah. Roman <laughs> is going to make the big shows. Where's Roman's going to go where the money is. Paducah <laughs> is in uh, Illinois, I believe, or Kentucky. I can't remember. It's a real place, I swear. At Paducah, that's where uh, that's where Ricochet's from. It's it's where's Ricochet from? Kentucky, Paducah. Paducah. Come on, Paducah somebody was, help me out. Is it Wisconsin? No, it's not Wisconsin. You derelict. <laughs> You're out of control. I love Wisconsin. Well, good. Maybe someday WrestleMania. There, thank you, Alex. Our our esteemed producer saved me from uh, going insane. Paducah is in fact in Kentucky. It's the hometown of Ricochet, who will take part in the. WrestleMania showcase fatal four-way and KP moments ago, as we were wrapping our discussion on the bloodline and the WrestleMania main event, you referenced the wise man, Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman has made an indelible mark on the careers of almost too many superstars to name, perhaps none more so than the man who will be our guest momentarily as he prepares for arguably the largest clash to go down WrestleMania weekend in SoFi Stadium. They're going to reinforce the ring. Maybe they should reinforce the stadium itself. It's going to be big. The man who will lead the Nigerian giant into battle with the beast when Omas battles Brock Lesnar. Here is the advocate of sorts for the giant himself, none other than MVP. MVP, first things first, welcome to After the Bell. I know you're a busy man, so we always appreciate your time. 
We are on the road to WrestleMania. We are eight days away from WrestleMania weekend where SoFi Stadium will be the site where two giant tractor trailers collide at the Showcase of Immortals, that being the Beast Incarnate Brock Lesnar and your man, the Nigerian giant Omos. As we approach the Showcase of the Immortals, what does the WWE Universe need to know about this colossal super heavyweight showdown? Uh, I think the very first thing they need to know is that it's not two tractor trailers. It's a tractor trailer and an SUV. Brock Lesnar is a very large man. He's larger than you, larger than me. And I'm no small guy. I'm 6'2", 250, 260, depending on you know whether or not I've been watching my diet. And Brock is even bigger than I am. But Brock, as we've seen in his face-off with Omas, is like a regular guy. By comparison, Omas is 7'3", 416 pounds. I say it all the time. But the thing that makes Omas different from any other giant that Brock Lesnar has ever faced is that Omas is legitimately an athlete. He played basketball. He knows how and has sprinted up and down a college basketball court. His footwork in the paint, like he knows how to move. He's not like the great Khali that looks like a a, a, a giant at-at on the planet, aha, that can barely step. <laughs> that was a fantastic reference. I'm sorry. You got me with that. <laughs> The great Yo, can, can the a it's a Star Wars reference, KP, for everyone following along. I didn't know that. No clue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, go watch Return of the Jedi or the Empire Strikes Back, rather, and watch the, the invasion force. You'll see these giant invasion. They walk just like Kali, and it's just as easy to knock them over, too. So when I see people compare Omas to, to Big Show or Kali, and Big Show was an athlete, granted, sure. like Big Show, but Omas is bigger than the big show. Significantly. And, and and let me let me make this very clear. In shape big show. Because there were two big shows. There was out of shape, angry big show, who was close to 500 pounds, but he was seven feet tall. And then there was in shape big show, you know, who was 150 pounds less, who could move. Yes, sir. But he, but he wasn't as big and strong as, as Omas. So Omas already, just in his agility for his size, is something that the WWE Universe has never seen before. And with that, Brock Lesnar has never faced anyone with the size, strength, and agility of the Nigerian giant Omos. Talk to me a little bit about the evolution of Omos, who we first really laid eyes on alongside AJ Styles, his own personal colossus. That all ran its course, and we now see MVP tasked with bringing Omos to the next level. And I say that with all due respect because you are a veteran of this game. You know this business inside and out. And you obviously have a lot to add to somebody as raw, no pun intended, to as Omos is, as a superstar. What have you seen as far as growth, both in the ring and out, uh, from Omos as a WWE superstar? First and foremost, his attitude. I think um, Omos was able to see what I was able to do for Bobby Lashley. And when I presented that to Omas, he saw that. And, and you know, he experienced success with AJ. But uh, I think that their dynamic was more about them, plural, and less about him, singular. And in this case, I made it very clear, if you give me the next year of your life, listen to everything I say, do everything I tell you to do, eat the way I tell you to eat, train the way I tell you to train, 
I guarantee you, you will be a major player and at some point a champion. And Omas embraced that fully. And as you see from the time he's been with me, his body has actually changed. He's putting on more muscle mass and losing body fat. His footwork for the ring, he, as I said before, he already had basketball footwork. But now his footwork in the ring is improving. I think overall his attitude towards being a success in the WWE has changed. And I think he's embraced the, the load, the mental load that I've given him. Bear this weight and the fruits will come when you hoist the championship over your head as a singles wrestler in this company. And, I mean, who or what could possibly stop him from achieving those goals other than himself? Don't forget the suits as well. Yeah, not to betray the, the sanctity that is TV Locker, but I actually recall you and Omas and myself having a conversation uh, probably close to a year ago at this point, and you were the one explaining to him that he needed to change his look. He needed to look like a star down to getting custom made wrestling gear versus his black jeans and black shirt that, that we got yeah. used to seeing him as. There's a lot more that MVP adds to this equation than we get to see in a, in a four or six minute segment on Monday night raw. And again, you know, as I said, I've really tried to influence his attitude and I believe as again, and, and I, I, I use Bobby Lashley as the example I said to him, if you want to be a star, you have to present yourself as a star. If you want to be a champion, you have to be received as a champion. And, you know, much to his credit, he got a brand new tailor. Now, as you see, he, I, as, I, I, as I understand it, an entire bolt of fabric is used to make one suit for Omas. While three of us could probably get a suit off of the fabric. I, I wouldn't deny, I wouldn't doubt it for a second. But as I said, I just is his 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 mentality because he respects me enough and the things I've accomplished over my career and the things I've helped other people to accomplish. He respects those things enough to know that if he listens to me, he can have tremendous success. So you know, he went from the jeans and and, and t shirt to actually getting very impressive looking wrestling gear. He looks like a final boss in a video game now. Yes, uh, his his custom made suits. Custom-made shoes, because, I mean, it's hard for a guy his size to find dress shoes. But upon my advice, he's gone out and he gets custom-made dress shoes. I think he wears like an 18 triple E or something ridiculous like that, you know. So it's difficult for him to find footwear. Everything he wears has to be custom-made for him. That's amazing. Custom-made clothing with a custom-made attitude. Brock Lesnar, though, we're talking about the Beast Incarnate here, a man that's had WrestleMania matches against huge physical specimens. We're talking The Undertaker, Triple H, Goldberg, Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre, the list goes on. Yet what we saw on Monday Night Raw when Brock Lesnar and Omos went face-to-face -face was something we really don't see. What was going through your mind, MVP, when you saw the Nigerian giant just toss Brock Lesnar from the ring, and then the trepidation in the face of Brock that followed. <laughs> Joy. Watching Brock cower. We've never seen Brock cower before. Any other time, Brock would have jumped his big ass back in the ring and started tossing people around. But he stood there and sized up the situation with Omos, and he took steps backward. Not forward, backward. He wouldn't even come and retrieve his hat. He asked someone to retrieve his hat. What cowboy leaves his hat behind? He asked for his hat because he did not 
want to climb back in the ring and get a little bit more of that power. So, you know, you talked about the huge physical specimens that Brock has faced and, and some of the names that you mentioned, remember, keep this in mind, are only huge physical specimens to the average guy like you, Kevin. Like Triple H is a huge physical specimen to you. To me, he's a, he's a big guy. To Omas, he's barely more than a child. So when you talk about huge physical specimen, Omas is the definition of a huge physical specimen. And I've said this before. Brock Lesnar is a beast to you and to me. To Omas, he's a man. And giants don't fear beasts. But beasts can easily be tamed by giants. There it is. That's that's the intangible, KP. That's what we've been wondering. That's the question we've been asking ourselves. Why Omos and Brock Lesnar is such a high-profile spectacle match at WrestleMania. There it is. We finally found someone who is not afraid of Brock Lesnar. Well, I should say a second man that MVP has been in charge of that has not feared Brock Lesnar. The former being Bobby Lashley, who we know does not fear the beast. I can't wait. This is going to be a colossal encounter in Los Angeles. And I think another thing to take into consideration, and, and I'm honest about this, and I'm very real, and I've had this conversation with Omas. Brock Lesnar has one thing over Omas, and it's a very important factor, and it's one I won't discount. Experience. And we all know that experience matters. It counts for a lot. And I've, you know, Omas has stepped his training up considerably. As a matter of fact, we recently hired some uh, some MMA trainers to give him some some striking training, some heavy bag work, some a little more footwork. Because I will give, I mean, I'm not going to tear Brock down. His accomplishments speak for themselves. He is very obviously cut from a different cloth, and the man has been a champion at everything he's ever done. So if you take all of his combat experience and put it together, he has substantially more combat experience than Omas. And that's something that I told Omas we, we have to take into consideration. You are bigger. You are stronger. You are hungrier. But you don't have Brock's experience. So we'll have to draw from the other areas where you do have more than Brock to try to make up for what you're lacking facing Brock. MVP, one thing the WWE Universe all want to know about. I've got to bring it up here, Gravy. White Lightning. Inside the VIP lounge, you spit all over Brock Lesnar's face. Was it that bad? I mean, I know you like a neat whiskey. I know you're, you're a cultured human being. The White Lightning, how bad was it? I don't drink rot gut. Kevin, <laughs> that's, that's, I, that, that stuff was, was like just uh, grain alcohol. And I felt like you could still taste the, the oil or, or whatever lubrication they use for the, the metal. And I, it was disgusting. You know I like a single malt scotch old enough to order itself. You know, I, <laughs> give me something 20 to 21 years. You know, I'm a, I'm a man of culture. I'm refined. I offered Brock champagne and he pulled out vodka. That's the stuff you use to clean metal. I, I, I was actually insulted that he would offer me such disgusting I don't even know. Rotten gut is the best way I can describe it. But, you know, Brock, he, he, he's a farmer. He has no class. He has no culture. You know, he plays in dirt. He grew up on farms, running around in his bare feet, playing with manure. And, you know, to, to, to Brock, that's a good time. To me, you know, give, give, give me a proper single malt, man. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about, Kevin. You, you, I mean, you, you, don't, you lack the culture and refinement that I do, but you are. So you know a little something about drinking proper spirits i'm not gonna argue with that 
I'd love to have one with you right now, but <laughs> you brought up experience and how invaluable it can be at any level in this game. Uh, I want to pivot for a second to another matchup that has the world buzzing. And I know you as a man of culture, follow closely all things that go on under the WWE umbrella and beyond Seth Rollins, Logan Paul on paper. Rollins has a enormous experience advantage yet. We've seen two times now, Logan Paul, Knock Seth Rollins clean out in the middle of the ring. We saw what Logan Paul did versus Roman Reigns. While he wasn't able to unseat the tribal chief, still pushed the man to the limits. Logan Paul has not, not delivered the goods each and every time we've seen him. How do you see this matchup playing out at the showcase of the immortals? I see this. <laughs> the only reason that Logan Paul was able to do those things is because uh, his opponent's didn't take him seriously. He came in serious, committed, and put the work in. And his opponents went, yeah, okay, this guy, whatever. So they didn't take him seriously enough. And that's why he was able to uh, take Roman Reigns to any sort of legitimate competition. And, you know, Seth is Seth likes to play around and joke around. And he doesn't take things seriously. And I, I'm pretty sure that he didn't take Logan Paul seriously. However, in this situation, Seth Rollins is... Uh, He's one of my favorite people to watch. I respect his accomplishments a great deal, his approach to the game. And I know that he will not allow himself to be embarrassed by anybody with the last name Paul on the WrestleMania stage. Now, let me, let me rephrase that. I said that Seth wouldn't allow himself to be embarrassed. I have to add a caveat to that with the exception of his attire. Because the man has no shame when it comes to his attire. So potentially... Uh, no, you know, and he wouldn't even be embarrassed with the things he wears. You can't embarrass the man. So that's right. Yeah, I, I don't think that. Happen. But I, I, my, 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 my suspicion is that this time he will come prepared so as not to overlook Logan Paul and will not allow himself to be embarrassed on the grandest stage of them all. Love that. But, but let me say this real quick, because I want to talk about a match that intrigues me way more than that one. Please, please. If I was going to run through the card, your fingerprints are, are seemingly all over the card in different capacities. So where, where, where's your mind at with this? The, the match that I am most looking forward to is Bianca versus Asuka. The EST versus the Empress. As a fan, as a practitioner of the craft, this match intrigues me more than virtually any other on the card because I see two women who are in incredible athletes who have devoted themselves to the craft. Uh, Asuka, more than Bianca, because she came along earlier. But if you look at their pedigrees, do the business. And, and Asuka, we don't even have to look at what she's accomplished before coming to the WWE. But if you look at her accomplishments at the Performance Center, at NXT, all the way to WWE, Asuka and Bianca are, are, are very similar. They both set the bar extremely high at NXT, becoming champions there, coming up to the main roster, and then doing it again, having impressive championship runs. They're both incredibly talented, incredibly intelligent, and I am stoked to see how these women match up. And I remember seeing uh, Bianca versus Sasha Banks in that main event several years ago, and I remember watching that and thinking that was one of the most impressive matchups I'd ever seen. Gender be damned, male yes. or female, 
those two women showed me something that blew me away. And I'm expecting to see that again with Oscar and Bianca. And I don't think that Bianca will be phased by Oscar's psychological warfare. But by the same token, I want to see how Oscar is able to deal with the very noticeable physical attributes of Bianca, her strength and power and athleticism. I did an interview recently about this. Go. No, I was saying the only thing that concerns me in this in this, in this matchup is the that miss. <laughs> the miss. That's that's the X factor. Muda's getting inducted on that Friday. I mean, we may need a little homage, you know. Yeah, man. Yeah. So I agree with you. I, I did a, an interview recently. I'm not entirely sure where it's even going to air something within WWE, uh, probably a video package or something about this matchup and how to me it has the physical attributes to almost redefine what a women's main event is capable of. When you take into to consideration Bianca's physical ability, Asuka's heavily influenced Japanese style, that strong, stiff, strike heavy style with Bianca and her just pure athleticism, there's nothing physically that Bianca Belair can't do. I have a feeling I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you. Everything you just said thus far, Pete, and I'll take you one step further and say, I think this matchup may redefine what it means to have a main event at WrestleMania gender be damned. I have to agree with you. Just the, the, the potential for one of the greatest matches we've ever seen is there and it you know I, the EST versus the Empress? I, I I want to see that match and I will be there, popcorn in hand, completely committed to it. And P Bianca, of course, just re very recently uh, surpassed your record as the longest reigning Black WWE champion. Now Bianca. Approaching a year as Raw Women's Champion may break Becky Lynch's record then. Just a month later, if she gets to, uh, I believe it's May 6th, she'll equal Becky Lynch's for the longest reigning Raw uh, Women's Champion. But what did it mean to you to see Bianca surpass your record as the longest reigning Black Champion in WWE? I've had a lot of growth over the last few years. So uh, my, my maturity has come into play where I can tell you that once upon a time, I probably would have had some sour grapes about it. And I would have said, yeah, well, I mean, she hasn't had to face the people that I had to face and, and my title defenses and whatnot. But I have to say that Bianca Belair, the EST, has earned my respect. And I uh, can say nothing. I congratulated her online. I'm very proud of her and her accomplishments. And I'm very happy to see her do it. And I hope that she goes on to break Becky Lynch's record. As a matter of fact, I hope that her reign matches Roman Reigns and she becomes a, a, a record-breaking, record-setting women's champion. She's classy in every every conceivable way. Classy, talented. She's devoted herself to, to the craft. I have nothing but respect for Bianca Belair. I agree with you wholeheartedly, and it's not that far out of the realm of possibility. I mean, it seems like we're well on our way. Another matchup that you have a, a bit of a fingerprint on, whether you know it or not, uh, is another marquee matchup for WrestleMania weekend. That being John Cena versus Austin Theory. <laughs> and the reason I'm going to bring this up is we had Theory on the show uh, last week, and he spoke to the fact that you are one of the superstars backstage that has imparted a great deal of wisdom on him uh, as he approaches the biggest matchup of his life. And let's be honest, it doesn't get much bigger in this business, period, than battling John Cena at WrestleMania. What have you uh, imparted without revealing any secrets on Austin Theory uh, to help him on this path? Did Austin Theory tell you about when we met for the first time? Did he bring that up? He did not reveal that, no. So so let me tell you, because this is a very interesting story. 
several years ago. I forget exactly when, five, six years ago, maybe a little longer. I forget exactly when, but I was in uh, McDonough, Georgia, and uh, I was visiting with uh, a good friend of ours, David Batista. He was there shooting Guardians of the Galaxy, and I was hanging out with him, and we went to the gym, and we were training. And uh, this good-looking, fit teenage kid comes up to me and says, hey, you're MVP, right? Look, yeah, yeah. He goes, hey, man, I'm, I just wanted to tell you, I'm a, I'm a wrestling fan, and, and I, I started training a wrestling school, and I, I'm, I'm going to be like you. I'm going to do what you did. I'm, I'm going to the wrestle. I'm, I'm going to go wrestle for the WWE. And I looked at him. I'm like, eh, you know, you're a good looking kid. You, you look fit. You've been hitting the weights, obviously. I said, whatever you've been doing, keep doing it. You know, train hard, dedicate yourself. And, and one day you could very well be there. Fast forward. He comes up to me after he's already, you know, made it to the main roster. He comes up and says, hey, man, uh, we met a long time ago. And, and at this point, you know, I'd already kind of taken a liking to him. And uh, he reminded me of that meeting at the Gold's Gym in McDonough, Georgia. And I remembered. I actually remembered. Because that moment, he explained, I'm like, yeah, I remember that. He said, yeah, you were training with Dave Batista. I said, you were the kid that came up to me when I was at the desk getting a smoothie. I remember that. So we had that meeting then. And all these years later, he's standing in front of me telling me, Remember when I told you I would be here? Yeah, I do remember that. So having said that, my respect for Austin Theory's drive, his devotion, his dedication is, is, is immeasurable. His aptitude is off the charts. You tell him something one time and you see the correction applied. When he told me that his idol was John Cena, you know, part of me wanted to barf because, you know, <laughs> Mr. Good Guy, yay, everything is awesome. I will never give up. And yeah, whatever with all that. I was always a Piper fan. I don't care about your vitamins and saying prayers. Just get the job done, you know. But when I saw that he was going to be able to face his favorite wrestler, his hero, the guy that he looked up to on the grandest stage of them all, I was thrilled for him, happy for him. And, and I'm even happier for him. Because that confrontation that he had with John Cena, I was mildly disappointed in theory for just a moment because he didn't respond to Cena the way I thought he should have. I thought he should have punched Cena right in his mouth and shown Cena, <laughs> believe that. But what Cena obviously doesn't know is that theory is that kid who walked up to me in McDonough, Georgia and said, I'm going to be in the WWE. So. Obviously, Cena doesn't know that kid. He believed in himself enough to go from a gym to the grandest stage of them all to face one of the greatest stars, if not some would say the greatest star the WWE has ever produced. And Theory told me that Cena was going to regret that promo, that he was going to eat those words, and he told me that he was going to beat John Cena at WrestleMania. After talking to that kid, that 16, 17-year-old kid at McDonough, and seeing what that kid has accomplished, John Cena is going to lose to that kid at WrestleMania. Sounds like I'm not the only believer in this world, KP. Straight from MVP Chills. himself, man. Theory has called his shot, put in the work, and we could be watching history unfold in SoFi Stadium next week. P, I don't have a whole lot of time left. Uh, we got to get out of here. I know we're all busy here. 
Everything is looking brilliant in the world of MVP on the road to WrestleMania. You've got the Omos match. You've got your fingerprints on different things. One thing I know is not going to your liking as a man of culture, as a man who has put in his time in this business. And that is while the rest of the WWE universe is celebrating with elation the release of WWE 2K23, which is the best version of the game that has ever existed. Top notch from start to finish. I did a lot of work on the voiceovers. Obviously, Michael Cole and Byron and I doing commentary, the graphics, everything's been overhauled. Everything's better than it's ever been. Living up to the phrase even stronger. But MVP, you've got a legitimate gripe. Excuse me for just a moment. Uh Uh-oh. I went to the thrift store the other day (laughs) and I, I bought this tie. I think I paid 75 cents for this tie at the thrift store. And even this tie has like, you know, some some striping to it. So I, I think I'm going to go to JCPenney. Does, does JCPenney still exist? It still I exists, know, I think. I does think. it? Okay. I, I'm going to go to one of those discount stores that poor people shop at. And I'm going to buy an off-the-rack suit that looks somewhat like that ridiculous suit. And, I, and I'm going to put this ridiculous 75-cent tie on. I don't know who at 2K I upset at the WWE games. I don't know whose parking lot, whose whose parking space I took. I don't know whose whose girlfriend I may have have, have stolen away, or I, I don't know. But somebody there has zero respect for me and my accomplishments. Kevin, have you ever? As a matter of fact, I often come to you and discuss your pocket square because you always always have a pocket square. Have either of you gentlemen ever? seen me in a cheap off-the-rack suit? Never, not once. Have either of you gentlemen ever seen me without a pocket square? Hell no. Never. Without a a, a, a lapel pin, a flower lapel. Have you ever seen? No, no, not once. Whoever those game developers are, they have a personal issue with me because it looks like they put my head on top of Paul Heyman's body in the cheapest possible suit anybody could find. What did I do? I just want to know to the to the game developers at 2K. What did I do? I I apologize. I'm sorry. We don't have the answers to that, unfortunately, for you, P. But I will do this. I can commiserate with you in the sense that while my video game rendering, I am I am I'm okay with. I may be the worst action figure that Mattel has ever produced. In that they quite literally took my head and put it on the indefinable announcer body complete with a three button suit with all three buttons buttoned. No, as a matter of fact, I think one of our producers, uh, we were chatting before because I need, I may need this prop. Sean, are you around? Can you, are you on the call? He has an, a, a Corey Graves action figure readily available. And I want you to look at this atrocity. Pete. Oh no. Not only am I about 60 pounds heavier than I've ever been in my life. Look at that. No pocket square. No pattern. I, I mean, That's look, I, I may not be a three button suit with all, all three buttons. buttons, three buttons, buttons all buttons. buttons. That's never even been a thing. That's sacrilegious. Oh my God. That's I, excuse me. I, I'm feeling sick right now. Give me just a moment. I, P I, I can't, I, I can't do any more than reach out to those connections I have at WWE 2K and I can voice your concerns for you. But in the meantime, I will be commiserating and you and I will make it our missions oh. to right the wrongs of 2K and Mattel as, as oh. the two best dressed, most disrespected superstars in the history of merchandise. That we share because we, and, and you know, to, to, to those watching, 
we we are constantly uh, we we share the TV locker room. That that's 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 where our, our, our base. And I'm a man of hot couture, and I, I'm always in tune with with. I, I, I'm never it's a, it's a, it's a catch-all statement. Culture, fashion, you're you're you got your thumb on the pulse, man. I am actually shaken up a little bit by the disrespect, <laughs> man. Like when when we are in the TV locker room, we are always, as the term goes, suited and booted. I'm often complimentary, complimenting your suits, Corey and and Kevin. Even though you're you're a little plain in in, in your dress, you are always well dressed. I'll give it to you. You know, it just. You know, but, Nothing wrong with classic P. But yeah, no, this is true. But, but you're Irish, so you guys don't season your food, so that's understandable. Oh, come on, you, you know, and it, it, it shows in your your your, your dress. You, you dress well, just no seasoning. But that's that's okay. You're, you're not in this conversation, Corey. My heart goes out to you because that figure is absolutely atrocious. What they what Mattel did to you is unacceptable. What what WWE games did to my rendering with that suit and tie is absolutely unspeakable and I will talk to my lawyers and if you'd like we could join together and some sort of a litigious pursuit so that they can right those wrongs because I'm I'm offended and I and I think the WWE universe is offended as you can see by the feedback from social media I completely understand I agree with everyone who is offended on your behalf uh as to not draw any further ire for MVP. You're a busy man. You've got WrestleMania around the corner. Instead, I will just say thank you, as always, for hanging out here on ATB. You know you are always welcome. Any last words for the ATB faithful before we uh, hit WrestleMania? Yes. I will say to all of the idiots, morons, and flat scans that like to compare the Nigerian giant, to the not-so-great Kali, you will see at WrestleMania the very difference in size, strength, and agility. My giant, Omas, is the greatest giant ever to grace the WWE ring. And you can put Andre in that because Andre doesn't have the agility, size, or strength that Omas has. Brock Lesnar doesn't fear any man. But he will learn to fear a giant at WrestleMania. There it is. We can't wait to watch the carnage unfold. We will be back next week. Make sure you're following us in the process at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find KP at Kev underscore Egan. MVP, where can the ATB fans find you on social media? They can find him at Marshall's picking up a new tie. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> I am uh, on, on Twitter and Instagram at the305MVP. That's where you can find me. Don't bother to say hello. Just keep it moving. There we go. Listen for free wherever you get your podcast. Just search after the bell and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. Full episodes of ATB will be on WWE's official YouTube channel every Monday, so make sure you check it out there. Get eyes on what all this is about Uh, episodes will post wherever you usually get your podcasts on Friday. You know that by now. And then the episode will be available the following Monday in video form. And we'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and a very special WWE WrestleMania edition of WWE After the Battle.